0: Well, uh, welcome, everyone. Let's start. It's 10 o'clock, so uh, uh, let's get this thing rolling. We have 45 minutes, and then uh, we try to wrap it up. Uh, Today we have Martin van Leest as our guest of honor. Um, Martin was one of the premium members of the Lisa community. He said, well, let's give it a try. Let's see uh, how it goes. Uh, so it's great to have you here in the hot seat as well today, uh, Martin.
1: Thank you, Fabian. Uh,
0: I think we've met uh, when you were in uh, machine support, still working, so and that. I was with Holland Marine Equipment. Correct. Machine support became later SKF, of course.
1: That's also correct.
0: And then you decided, well, after after fourteen years or so, time to start something for myself. Why did you start a yard? of all the possibilities out there. <laughs> what was the reason behind that? Good question. Yeah, I had done, but we also
1: met on the uh, um, CPC, yeah? the Health Marathon, remember, in Scheveningen. And I think 20,000 people were competing and we were standing, standing next to each other. The only thing was you we were in faster than
0: me, so that was a bit of a bummer. But other than that, it was so joyful to meet each other over there. Yeah, but that was easy because you are so tall. That from all the people, everyone can see you. So, twenty thousand <laughs> yeah. of runners doing half a marathon. It was easy to spot you. So that was cool. But uh, back to your question:
1: Why do you buy a shipyard? Uh, well, the uh, the reason is that I was uh, not born, almost born, but raised on a shipyard, a family shipyard. And going back in history, my granddad was an, uh, uh, as we say in Dutch, a uh and uh, the agent, and he uh, was here in Rotterdam port. So my dad joined him to one of the vessels and by coincidence, that was the boyspan in front of this yard where my father followed his father up the, uh, up the ladder to go on board. And that's how my father got hooked on the ships and starts to become a naval architect. Um, so he started to work for the company called Shuttle, Shuttle Propulsion. And they had these thrusters, but they also had uh, two shipyards, one in Warmont and one in Spy, Germany. And during one of the crises, um, the banks took over the management of Schottel and they had to restructure and back to the core business. And so they had to sell the R's, and that's where my dad did a management buyout. So that's where I was born and raised. Uh, and then I started to study, and I didn't use naval architect but uh, mechanical engineering, fietsenmaker, as we say in Dutch, and. Uh, of course, And my dad was a bit uh, uh, not too happy, he says why do you choose mechanical engineering so I told him well you know shipbuilding is going up and down and if I do mechanical engineering I can have very wide uh, things to choose other than uh, shipping. But of course I was connected uh, well after my study of course I had to work every day, day or week in, uh, in, in the yard But then I became full-time and my brother was still working, already working in the arts and so was my father, so was I. So then you had three captains and three captains, two captains on the boat is a lot, but three captains is way too much and uh, since my brother and I were not very good in communicating and we had an argument, uh, we start to uh, use our fists to come to an agreement. And uh, that was very joyful for the uh, people who work there, but uh, for us, that was not uh, the way forward. So uh, I decided to go out and see what else uh, was available. So I ended up in a company called Giese de Noord, Grimpen, uh, there I became assistant project manager and uh, worked there for three years, did two complete vessels from A to Z so from signing the contract uh, till uh, uh, also the guarantee dockings. I also went expat for that to Latvia Letf- for healthier for ship uh, st- uh, section building so that was also quite an adventure. And after three years I was kind of stuck and they put me in engineering and I didn't like engineering and they say well you have to wait. And the reason I had to wait, because there was a new future coming, and that future was IHC, but I come back to that later. So I went out and then uh, went to a company called Wilto Fine Arts, Ship Repair. Well, still, that was uh, the very great experience in my career. Uh, three years, I did uh, Project Manager, and... Uh, yeah, that shipyard is still built of arts repaired as a famous yard and the things we all could do there. So it was great learning. Then I got approached by one of the subcontractors. Uh, at that time, that was machine support. And they asked me if I would run their business in Holland and expand it worldwide. So that was a nice challenge. And I took that on. So started in Holland, opened up Dubai at that time, uh, Germany, uh, United States. Well, that company was taking over eventually by SKF, uh, the bearing manufacturer. And uh, yeah, SKF had a different policy as we were running. We were service-minded and SKF was product-minded. So we had quite some uh, disagreements and um, till a point they said, well, Martin, uh, we thank you for setting up the business, but uh, we cannot proceed. And they offered me a big sum of money and please get the fuck out. So that's what I did. In that time, um, mister Coke Koch-Serdijn approached me and if I was uh, willing to buy his shipyard. Now, I don't know, I think you all, most of you remember Koch. He was a very uh, unique character and he was at his age of 69 so there was a time that he should go for retirement and uh, so he approached me and of course buying a shipyard is uh, a once-in-a-time lifetime offer you get so i said i better do it now or i do it never so uh, i joined him it took a time to come to an agreement I must say, um, but at the end we came to an agreement. I took in a shareholder uh, because I couldn't uh, do the complete investment myself. And uh, first there was a guy uh, from, I learned to know, via Ruth Hannes Lippel. He was uh, from Estonia, remember that uh, Ruth? And uh, he was running a similar company And we were close of doing the deal. And then he called me up that he had a major problem. He did a job on uh, on, a Finnish icebreaker. And he did two kilometers of pipeline. And one pipe starts leaking and went into the generator. And he had a claim of a few millions. So he says, Martin, I cannot help you. I need all my money. I need to save my company. So good luck. I'm sorry. So then I... Eventually ran into the firma Zwagelman. Uh, they were a crane company and they had this crane barge, the MB1, the Compass M B1, and they needed a, a, a key site in Rotterdam. And I had key but I had no cranes, so the combination was there. And that's how we bought eventually uh, Serdij. Well, we had a different approach. Um, one was the ship repair, but we also had uh, the mop demo approach for the offshore. And that's why the name Rotterdam Offshore Group was uh, set up. And uh, the mop-dmop was a big success because there was no space or no company in Holland which was focusing on mop and dmop. So what they mostly did was rent the key site and rent a bunch of contractors, but they organized it themselves. Uh, but I offered the complete package.
0: Can you and explain the,
1: what it is—a mobilization or a demobilization? Well, yeah. it's yeah. for especially for the offshore wind. Uh, you, you have the transport vessels and you have the, the the installation vessels. So for the transport vessels, they need different cradles because every. Uh, wind turbine is different, uh, so they uh, need different foundations, different cradles. So we fabricate those cradles, fabricate those foundations, and put them on the vessels. Uh, so when the project is done, then they come back and we take everything off, and then they gonna be equipped for another project. And the same with the jackups, uh, the jackup vessels. They have this uh, complete blade racks, uh, TP foundations, uh, well, all what's needed to build up the, the, the wind turbine. Um, so the companies, uh, they contract the, the, the vessel, there's a company called for the equipment and all those companies together, they do the, the project. Um, so the, yesterday I received an uh, RFQ for the blue turn from Fred also, so hopefully in a month the blue turn will be along my key side doing complete mobilization. Because their other vessel, the bull turn, which is on the project now, is being planned now to go to Asia, so they have to use the other vessel to take over uh, this project. So those are the mob mobs uh, vessels. But they are a few in a year, and with the ship repair we have, we keep everybody uh busy because if you only did the bob d mob then uh, there was too many spikes in the capacity and now we have a
0: constant uh more constant flow of work cool yeah no yeah, one, one, uh... one question and we are 30 minutes back on the road that's cool before <laughs> you continue is your dad still around no he isn't no. did he was he still around when you started the yard, or when you signed agreement with coke Yeah, he was there. Was he proud or what was his reaction? The most proud man I ever met. Cool.
1: Yeah, I saw him crying two times in my life. One time was when my mom passed away, the second time when he was sitting here and looking at the boy's pen where he was remembering that he followed his dad up to the vessel. And he says, well, the reason I did that
0: is the reason you're sitting here. Yes. Cool, cool. Uh, let's open it up to the, uh, to the audience. Uh, uh, does anybody want to ask anything to Martin? Uh, how it, uh, how it is uh, Martin um, uh, b- being in a uh, shipyard without uh, dry dock facilities? I think one of the most uh, asked uh, uh, questions for you. Uh, but uh...
1: No, no, but the most asked question is when do you uh, put out a dry dock? That's what they actually mm-hmm. say. And uh, but you're, you're, you're right, the question is right. And I, I was looking for a dry dog, uh, and I already had a few ones in option. But then IHC came by, and uh, they uh, wanted to have uh, a part of the company, and they also were intending to put down a bigger dock. So I had a 10,000 ton floating dock in mind, and they wanted to put out a 25,000 ton floating dock. So it was quite bigger and big plans, it was a big investment. But at that time, they said, Martin, no worries. We will pay for the dog, and we put it down. And, uh, like, uh, the, everything was possible. But uh, by now, uh, you know that everything is uh, also limited. Also for IHC, so the dog never arrived. And uh, as you know, lately, I bought back the shares of IHC. Um, and now the option is open again to put out a floating drop. I must say that some people say, well, Martin, better not do it because your company and uh, the flexibility of your company is now your, one of your successes. And when you put out a floating drop, you will get a yard mentality and the yard mentality will take away the flexibility. So keep in mind of doing that. So that's where I'm standing at the moment. So it's not a no, but it's a, a,
2: a not yet. Well, right, Martin. Many times, this uh, this whole project, especially when you bought it. And I must say, I admire what you have achieved. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And I'm also, uh, you know, at that time I was, you know, where the hell he is heading for. This is, uh, there was, there were more red signs than not even, not even green. I maybe seen one or two orange ones, but uh, the rest was kind of red, but you uh, continued and you made a fantastic uh, company out of it and it's a great issue. But of course, there's other ship repairers in in the Rotterdam uh, Harbour area and I talked to some of them and most of the time they are uh, not very optimistic, not very uh, positive. And you, you grew, you grew the company to this, to this level, but I'm sure this is not the end of it. And you kind of always optimistic. So the question is, you know, and I understand you. it's an important thing, is but, but what is the main success factor? You know, if you compare it with other ship uh, repair facilities in the Rotterdam area. Okay, Yeah, I can tell
1: you, uh, the way we do it, um. Third uh, of all, I want a team with a can-do mentality. I don't want to have people around me or too much people around me. Why we cannot do things? Because why? If you come here with your vessel for repair, the customer must have a feeling: Oh, this guy wants to make it happen, and not that he is coming to a uh, shipyard to all kinds of troubles are raised and not solving so the solving and thinking with the customer that's one of the the successes i get in my perception secondly i have a very flat organization Uh, so no pyramids everybody is the same okay at the end somebody has to say yes or no that will be me if needed if they can do it themselves please do um that's another one and Third, I think it's the uh, commercial approach. Uh, well, Reed, you do the same as I do. You when the time allows it, you are in the plane every week visiting customers and, and, and continuously doing that. And uh, also the account management. So we set uh, as I set myself goals of which customers I would like to have. And I do my best to visit them, to convince them, and to pull them in. So that's another approach where other ship repairers just wait to see what comes around the corner. Uh, Well, we have a good agency network. Uh, Well, that's also very important. And you have to support your agents. That's also very important. Yeah, it's a lot of things which comes to the success and uh, the continuous will to improve. That's also one continuous will to improve. Uh, where can we go better? And we hate when we lose an order, we really hate it. And uh, we all get in a bad mood when we lose an order. Uh, and try to, if sometimes it's that way because sometimes it's the price or too much risk. And yeah, then we say no, but uh, yeah, it's a complete package of a lot of things. Right? But uh, I think you knew.
2: Sure, but it's good (laughs) to know from somebody else as well.
0: (laughs) So this winner mentality is uh, within your team. Do you also celebrate successes? So the opposite? Big time. How do you do that? (laughs) Tell us. us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Actually, we want to celebrate it every day, but that's not very appropriate, of course. But now we, we do, we do, we do. a lot of fun things, and we also do a lot of fun things with the customer, customers too. Uh, and uh, of course, working is nice, but you have to have the joy. We work average at least 12 hours per day, or more. And uh, yeah, you know, if if the fun time is there, then we have fun time. That's how we combine it. Yeah. And of course, we have the. the our privilege with a nice rooftop bar, which helps a lot in the, the celebrating especially in uh, these days.
0: Nice. Anyone else?
1: Yeah, um, Martin, you always keep a, a healthy lifestyle, even though you're uh, doing all the celebrating and traveling and everything. But... What are you trying to say David? <laughs> yeah, I hear you say CPC and uh, I remember you did the Alp du uh, So what's next on that uh, calendar? Are you looking at any more challenges physically? Yeah, well, it's, uh, uh, I always challenge myself. It's yin-yang, you know, right? uh, Party hard and uh, but compensated with sports. But the thing is, I just visited a specialist uh, this week my joints are, yeah, I'm getting old, Danny. and the specialist says, Well, Martin, um, you're already at 80 percent wear, so if you continue like you do now, uh, we have to put artificial joints into you, and uh, they last for 30 years. You're now 50, so it might be I have to do it two times. So, can you take it? Can you ease down and do less? No, that was not what you want to hear, Danny. but uh, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. So it's golf from now on? Yeah, well, at the end, uh, I can still think I can do the cycling. So uh, we keep on doing that, but maybe I have to stop the running and all that.
3: uh,
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll see. Skating was also great this weekend, you know? Uh, I did. I think sixty kilometers. Great, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, no health measures. Huh? Always trying as much as possible. Yeah, but you know, especially with uh, the traveling, you know, if you travel so much, and you don't do any sports, you gain weight, you gain weight, and and and, and it was uh, in the airplane, uh, you were drinking the gin and tonics, you come to the hotel bar, you take a beer. And yeah, you know how it goes, you know. And uh, if you do that every week, then so there is a moment, then you're catching up. So that's why I changed myself. So I decided to go
0: to run around the hotel
1: first and then run to the bar. And it's much better.
0: Uh, Martin, I like uh, the, 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 the positive story of, of your, your your background. Um, um, but... but- If you look at uh, what you said, eh, um, uh, it's it's a yes, we can uh, mentality, a continuous improvement. Uh, Is is that also the statement of your your yard? Or is there any statement that you make uh, to to promote yourself? Uh,
1: Yeah. A statement statement like uh, um, we have it in our quality system or how, how do you yeah, uh, not really like that. No, no, no. But it's well, the the the, the company drive It's what we what as team uh, uh, challenge each other every time. So it's more internal than external.
0: Yeah, but it's, so it's it's your your internal uh, uh, culture, you yes, can exactly. say. Yes, All right. Yeah, I think that that's really important because that shows off to your customer as well. Yep. Yeah, and
1: always take on the challenge.
0: Yeah. Like that, thanks. Yeah, thank you, Will. If, if I look at your slogan, you say it's your partner for dockside and on-site services. This partnership, is this also something that you seek? So long-term relationships, and not just one hit and go? I do it
1: with suppliers, but I'm done with uh, uh, shareholders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: clients for the moment for the moment
1: no it's what we do is like uh, uh, we have a transparent way of uh, okay let me start in the beginning when I was in the ship repair we were always the pirates ship repairers are pirates that's the the general statement and uh, the thing I changed is to make it transparent uh, like I was in Wilton Feyenoord, I also uh, always had to put 10% extra on the, on the invoice, because the, at the end you have to give 10% discount, so you have to first write it down and then later take it off, you know, everybody was fooling each other, and that's completely changed, uh, the superintendents are not going to Katendrecht anymore, and they come here they come with a laptop expel sheet and they're completely controlling their project so that is a completely different style and so that's also how we serve our customers very transparent and i know from some customers and says well can i ask but what is the why are you coming to rog and why are you not going to another yard and he replied well martin uh, with you i can just walk without getting stepped in the back. you know that's how you guys working, and that's what I like, with all the yards I always have to watch out behind me because somewhere I get uh, uh, tricked or fooled or uh, so they are uh, the transparency and the honesty I think that's one of the bases why we are running so good and people and the customers are coming back and of course you have to work with a lot of different mentalities uh, to so to uh, uh, split them a bit, the, the, the Scandinavians are, are, are one of our top customers uh, for one reason. I, I think it's the, the way we work, and then we have, of course, the, the different areas uh, the, the, the Greeks and the Indians, and uh, the, 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 uh, they are working in a different way. Uh, also, ask a different approach how to work with them, and they. Think more that uh, they are still being fooled or tricked or they're always trying to find the reason uh, uh, but as I say you know we are very transparent so what they do in the beginning is they give you an, they want to quote you lump sum so to avoid the risk of any additionals and then you build up the trust then they after they give you some time and material so you see that change that's uh, one and secondly, I see my customer base only growing bigger, 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 so it's like an oil stain, so we're also doing good with that.
3: Anyone else? I had a question um, in regard to because you're talking about how you're successful and how you're growing and um, I was wondering like, especially since you started it up from the bottom, um, how did you reach your customers like how did you? get in touch with them and you know get in their good side?
1: Well, uh, first I had to build up a solid base. There was no quality system in this shipyard, there was uh, actually no system, so I had to build that completely up. Uh, So I had to get the ISOs and all that and that was for all the offshore work. Does it generate business? No, not directly, but if you want to be on the vendor list of the the big offshore majors, you have to get your quality system lined up. Well, Dave, you remember from CJX, if you don't have your ISO, this, 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 net, that, you will never get an out of view. But once you're on, they will never check your quality systems. They only check you on the work you're doing. So that's only an entrance. So that's one. And secondly, uh, most of the ship repairers were connected to the, the, the agencies here in Rotterdam, the BATEC and they are the translator between the vessel owners and, and, and the shipyards. And I visited them all, but they didn't give me any work. Uh, very nice people, but no work. So that's why I decided to jump into the airplane and visit the customers myself. So first I did Singapore and, uh, and uh, Mumbai and, and Greece and that was very successful. And then the customers were coming directly to, uh, to us. But then the agency says, hey, Martin, I see this vessel is coming to you, and I'm the agent from it. Said, "Oh, said, that's yeah, yeah, that's a good thing, yeah, yes, but now I don't have any commission. I said, no, no, now you don't have any commission. Yeah, yeah, so I had to get my position here in the Rottenham port, uh, but now I have the perfect relationship with all the agencies, and uh, I gained my position here. But that was because I went to the customers myself instead of uh, my agents in between so that's one of one of the successes yeah and three years no holidays that's also
3: <laughs> working die hard the, that's the success factor <laughs> beautiful yeah
4: i have a question martin um thank you for your um uh brief that's interesting um I, when you uh i remember i saw in the
0: media recently that you've um separated from Royal IHC. And I remember being in the car with you and you were very excited about that partnership. Uh, What were you planning with IHC? And how has that changed your model moving forward? And what do you hope to achieve without them?
1: Well, the reason I was so enthusiastic at that time was they were planning to do a big investment into the facility to build up as a big shipyard with a floating top. So that's was, and they also offered me an, an, a good sum of money. So the combination was perfect. Uh, but it turned out to go different. And the moment uh, we worked on many big projects, of them, the, 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 the Amazon, the FDS2. So we did a lot of work. So that was not the big thing. Only there was no synergy. There was no nothing. When they got refinanced by the government. Uh, and there came a new uh, owners that was Deme, Jan on the new and uh, and Huisman. and they said okay back to the core business so all the acquired companies uh, became uh, uh, yeah, had to be sold and since I was already willing to buy it and they wanted to sell uh, we were already very close of getting the deal done uh, and yes there were other mainly investment companies who were very interesting of taking over the art at least part of the art but uh, unfortunately we uh, did it completely ourselves and from now I can start building up again because I've been three years in the waiting room for something which didn't happen so uh, yes Dave I'm more excited now than I was then. (laughs) Uh, Thank you Martin for your inspiring uh, story Uh, I was wondering, how is your market doing right now? We experience a lot of um, price competition from the Asian shipyards and also repair yards. How how do you cope with that? Well, I don't have uh, a lot of competition from the Asian yards. Uh, What we do here is the local work which needs to be done. uh, The vessels come to the Rotterdam port and they need maintenance, they need repair. So uh, there is no, there is local competition, but not international competition. Also for the mobilization, demobilization, we do have competition from Esberg, Um, uh, but it's either Esberg, Flissingen or Rotterdam. Those are the three ports uh, and a little bit in the UK, but that's not a lot. So I don't have big competition from the, the Asian shipyards. No, so that's not yeah. Of course you have the the, the, the ballast water treatment systems and, and the scrubbers, those are big projects which we would like to do here, but uh, they plan it all to do it in Asia because it's a big money saver. And uh, yeah, the the so we're not affected by that. And I'm sorry to hear that you guys do, but uh, no, it's not, uh, yeah, it is what it is, Th- that's okay, but yeah. uh, I was just wondering, uh, as you have customers in Singapore, what, what are they, how do you uh, cope with that, but I understand it's more locally and more European-focused than uh, abroad. Yeah, I mean, we actually also do guarantee work for Asian shipyards, Asian uh, new-built new uh, vessels, they come to the Rotterdam board, so we do some modifications. So we do that also locally here. So they are also customers. So this is other okay. side. Of it. Yeah, that's good to hear. Okay, thank you,
2: Martin. Do you okay. think you can copy your system to your your setup to, for instance, Asia or the Middle East? Could you have a, a Dubai offshore group or, or a Singapore offshore group? Uh, I think it will be in the states. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. all right. yeah. you, uh... yeah. That's more where that I fit in personally better. But uh, yes, I'm 100% sure you can copy it. I see so many companies which are rusted and, 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 and uh, just keep it going as it's been going all the time, and no fresh input, and no goal setting, no, no. And that's what you need to challenge yourself all the time. So, uh, yes, I'm confident, sort of being a bit arrogant here, but I can do it also
4: in other countries, yeah.
2: That's not arrogant.
4: Uh, Martin, you are uh, dealing a lot with offshore. Uh, That means that they have uh, all these HSCQ uh, requirements. I think you can cope with it, but... uh, When you have a normal ship at your facilities, can you also work normally, or it is uh, really over the top that you have to pass 20,000 gates and have uh, all the time a security officer in your back?
1: Well, is it is a is a if you want to pay for it, we can do it for you. If you don't, uh, no. But that's the whole thing. I'm joking about it. But yes, the uh, if you I have a for example a welder or a burner on a on an offshore vessel. Uh, I need a fire watchman on top of the deck. I need a fire watchman underneath the deck. Uh, So that's three guys for one welder. And of course, in general ship repair, we are not working like that. Are we working less safe? No, I don't believe. Uh, We are pretty confident in what we're doing. We know our risks. And we are not uh, taking additional risk because the customer is not willing to pay for it. We are not doing that. But yes, the offshore is completely overrated. Overrated. And uh, I give you an example. We did the project Amazon, and there were on the deck more than thirty fire watchmen. And uh, if you believe me, if there was a fire, the last guy who I should listen to was those guys running on the deck with the red helmets because they had no clue what they were doing but the customer required it McDermott. so okay you want to have fire watchman here are your fireworks but uh they can put on a, their cigarette but they cannot put out a fire so uh, yeah. no no he's a, and we know how to play the the, the 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 uh how to deal with uh the the complete check requirement of the uh of and what they ask is uh, a method statement. So before the vessel comes, you have to make a method statement. So that's actually how you describe how you're going to do the job and uh, what are the risks and what, uh, what are you, uh, all your certificates. And then we start, uh, and when that's done, then we start doing the job. And many times the check manager of the uh, customer is more in control as the project manager himself. But I always say you cannot save on uh, safety, you cannot save money on safety. So they're also willing to pay for it because they know they have the system. But uh, yeah, it goes very far and very, very efficient. I think on the big offshore vessels, we go down to maybe one sixth of the normal production. So that gives you an idea how much extra it costs.
4: I was a little bit afraid, man, if you go, come to a rock, that you are, but you are, you, of course, the work needs to be done safe. You yeah. don't have to do anything stupid, but there is mm-hmm. a yeah, difference between safe and safety. Yeah,
1: yeah 100%. But uh, those are, you see, the bigger companies. Uh, first, there are too many regulations internally. Uh, um, for example, you know, like IHC. They have a big office with uh, 200, 300 people, but there is no vessel outside, but they are still busy with each other. So that's not related to the work, it's just complying to the internal systems. So that is one which keeps you busy. And second, if you have a very strong shack management, um, yeah, it, it, it feel, it's so inefficient. Uh, so, uh, and just what my experience is there are more accidents happy, happening with a bigger. Check uh, management then when you are just the basic check uh, management and and just do your normal thinking.
4: Yeah. yeah I also think that the Verstand verstand cannot be uh, very good <laughs> changed by uh, yeah. by tick uh, company yeah. books but yeah yeah.
0: What then yeah. before we, we wrap it up, what is the most exciting project that you have done in the last year last couple of years? Or that you are most proud of?
1: Uh, yeah, the, those are a couple. Um, one which was very fun to do was for uh, Blue Offshore, and they had this uh, uh, FPSO, and it needed to be plucked. So there was a I need to fabricate a plug of ten meters of diameter. And it uh, had to be done within two weeks uh, because it had to go to around the Cape. Uh, at first, it was planned to go to uh, uh, Poland for the repair yard, but decided to go to uh, Dubai. They had to go to around the Cape, and there uh, the sea state is so big that all the waves are coming into the moon pool, so they needed to plug to pluck the moon pool. Uh, so we fabricated that, uh, that plug within the two weeks and we moored it on a GPS location in the Rottenham port and then the uh, Akkoa Mizzou came over and the diver came uh, uh, came down with the the chain, connected it and we pulled in the plug and uh, a few hours later she was out again. So those are fun projects to do. And especially when you're successful and it fits, you know, that's also one, if it doesn't fit, then uh, they really don't like you. So that was very challenging. Um, yeah. and uh, Oh, yeah, the, 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 the load test of the Chinese lifting vessel that was 3000 ton of uh, lift tests we had to do. Uh, but they forgot that uh, classes asking 10% extra. So we needed a 300 tonne extra on a load test within within the day Organize 300 tonne extra and if you manage to do so with your rigging and all that, then uh, those are things you never re- forget and especially that uh, the crane driver forgot the tugging, so while doing the test uh, one wire snapped and the complete a uh, crane was shaking with 300,000 ton plus weight in it. Uh, those things you never forget. But also very, very challenging. Yeah. So I can continue for hours, for hours, for hours. We have sure. like temporary projects per day. So
0: if people would like to <laughs> stick around for a uh, all day, uh, please do so. But it's almost <laughs> time, so if you have to leave Uh, Just leave. If you want to stick around for another uh, five or ten minutes, uh, please do so. Um, So it's... uh, feel free to leave or to stick around. Uh, Sandra?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Martin, I know you from uh, working at uh, Machine Support, then SKF, so uh, a maritime supplier, and now you are rocking it as a a ship repair dude, (laughs) so to speak. So what is... um, it's so very different, but what has your preference as far as challenge and yeah enjoyment in the job? Yeah, you, you mean the difference between the services I did before? I still do, but uh, not as a daily, as my daily business. The yeah, customers sure. are the same, sometimes, so that helps. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and uh, the one is really, as I say, once we are the, the flying doctors, and here we are the hospital. So the other company, we go to the vessels and fix them and the vessels are coming here to get fixed. So that's the basic, the difference in the setup. Uh, that's one. Uh, then we have a, you have a technical challenge. Uh, the, the, the technical challenge we have in uh, the, the alignment business is higher than the technical challenge we have in the standard ship repair. But once in a while, you have some nice technical challenges. So that's also uh, satisfying. But in base, it's uh, the approach to the customer is the same, the work is the same, the mentality is the same. Um, yeah. so it doesn't differ a lot.
4: So the work itself, it doesn't. But now you do have a lot more uh, things to deal with when we, like you said, safety, measurements,
1: there's a whole lot more to it than yeah. just surface and repair. Yeah, that is. Yeah, and the complete yeah. Uh, for everything around uh, is also very time consuming. correct, yeah. yeah. And not always, always fun to do but comes with the business
4: huh? part of the job yeah. <laughs> okay cool
3: i have a a question as well uh actually latching on to the safety um but maybe more safety for the employees and stuff like that um how do you see like the use of maybe dangerous products or dangerous chemical products that might have influence on the health of your um, employees like, do you see a change happening there? Yeah. Or do you see thing. that you're developing?
1: Yeah, big time. Yeah. That's also a continuous thing. Um, we're also a member of the, 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 as you say, the, what's the English word for bonds organization, Sandra? Uh, we say trade association. Okay, okay. <laughs> so all the yards uh, have this uh, two monthly meeting. Uh, also for environment and in these groups all the things are getting being discussed uh, the latest products which are vulnerable, and we share this all with the shipyards underneath so yeah that's a daily thing we have yeah, a daily thing we are doing. it's continue also a continuous attention on that and i'm from the time that asbestos was not a problem and eh? so i know where uh, yeah, I know where I, uh, I came from and where we're standing today.
3: Yeah. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you know how bad it can be. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, uh, well, actually, I have four funerals of ex colleagues who passed away of asbestosis. So, yeah, I know Oh, that.
3: God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I was
1: there in between myself, too, eh, because at that time it was just
3: normal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Then it comes really close to you as a person. Yeah. you can imagine. That's uh, very good to hear. Amazing.
1: You were talking about maybe opening up shop in the US. <laughs> I'm very interested, in... in, in, in I, 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 I'm guessing New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I already am uh, a business partner there in the, in the country. Louisiana, right? right? Yeah. 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 And uh, Leonard is running the show there. He's now on a job in Roton, Honduras. So, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's stressing too much of getting the job done as quick as possible. And, uh, no, but those are but I love, you. Yeah, I love the city, you know that, uh, that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's always good to tell about internal systems. Then um, uh, IHC took over and they were discussing systems. They saying, what kind of system do you have? And I says, well, I says, well, you guys, you have the SAP system, the SAP, system he said well we have a different one we have the whatsapp system and it's also very efficient and working okay. perfectly the app store now, WhatsApp. Yeah. Oh. oh my iphone is directly responding on it so what we do is uh, for every project we made an, a, a whatsapp group and uh, in the old days we had the walkie talkie and then you did the order to the, the office and they ordered materials and and, and we do it all by WhatsApp. So all the things we order, this, that, always going a WhatsApp. So at the end, we have a complete log of all what has been uh, on the project. We have all the communication, we have the pictures, uh, where it was needed, why it, when it was needed, why it was needed. So at the end, we can set up the invoice very easily, following that track of WhatsApp and, and then if something questions come later, we can come back and say, okay, this and this happened, this guy, that guy, that guy. So that's very, very, very efficient. But we also do it for our ISO system. Uh, ISO system is that you have to lock all you do and if you can make a beautiful document of it. But uh, I have this WhatsApp groups. And one of them is the improvement app. So all guys, all, the complete team is connected and somebody comes up with an ID, you can put it in the improvement app. Well, you know, everybody's being shared with everybody and uh, the the ISO Certificate uh, uh, Auditor accepted our approach of uh,
0: dealing with that. So
1: less paperwork, more effective way of uh, uh,
0: registrating things. I think uh, many companies don't look at technology in such a way, right? It's, it's it's regulation is equal to paperwork. Yeah, it doesn't have to be so. It's just knowing what they want to see and find a way to utilize technology to provide it to you.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, WhatsApp is a very very big one in our company, and the good thing is with uh, the when it's blue. You know they have read it, so you cannot say no. Sure, I didn't read it. Now no. I've seen you read it, so no no room to escape. <laughs>
0: You can send that off, Martin. <laughs> cool. Okay. Thank you all so much. It was a, a fun conversation. Uh, next week, we have de Boer, Director of Equality. So looking forward to that as well. Uh, for now, uh, let's wrap it up and uh, go back to work. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, the replay will be posted in the Lisa community. Well, that's it. Thank you so much. Okay.
1: Take care. Thank you.
0: We invite you to join us in the conversation at the next live session. Ask our guest anything you like, engage with the others, and make new connections. It's fun, valuable, and free of charge. Check upcoming events in the Lisa Community app, available on iOS and Android. Cheers!